and there's more of us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for those that aren't here. Most of the ones that aren't here have been so faithful to pray for some of you that are here. And I will pray for them. Amen. Amen. Plus, there are many, many more from the north, the south, the east, and the west that have not been here yet, but they belong here, and they're coming. We're calling them in in the name of Jesus. Get out of the way, Satan. Our church is growing. The devil does not want people to hear the truth that we minister here. You know, I cast out demons in my dream all night last night. People were getting healed, major malformities, and it was beautiful. Wonderful night of dreaming. But you know, we cast a demon out here last week. This is a supernatural body of believers, and that's how it's supposed to be. Amen. Amen. Got a little joke for you. A pastor was giving the children's message during church. And for this part of the service, he would gather all the children around him and give a, a brief lesson of, before dismissing them for the children's church. On this particular Sunday, he was using squirrels for an object lesson on being industrious and prepared. He started out by saying, I'm going to describe something and I want you to raise your hand when you know what it is. The children nodded eagerly. This thing lives in trees and eats nuts. No hands went up. And it has, it's gray and has a long bushy tail. The children were looking at each other, still no hands raised. And it jumps from branch to branch and chatters and flips its tail when it's excited. Finally, one little boy tentatively raised his hand. The pastor breathed a sigh of relief and called on him, well, well, said the boy, I know the answer must be Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this beautiful group of believers that you have brought here to worship together. We thank you for all those who aren't here, but, but we love them. We pray for them. Pray for all those who will hear this message by other means at other times. We, we count you in our number as one of us. I talked to many of you, and I thank you for being a part and being so faithful. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to be used by you today. Let it be you, Lord, speaking through me. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for your precious word. Let it fall on plowed ground, the hearts of your believers who sincerely and eagerly are searching for truth and power and victory in this life so that they may be free and teach others to prosper in every way as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have found ourselves <coughs> with the mindset of those who have chosen to be led 
by the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. I told you I'm not going to minister to the old man or to those who haven't gotten there yet, but they can come on up because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Amen. Amen. We're learning how to walk in agreement with God and in simplest terms, to live according to the spiritual laws and blessings and provisions of an unseen world. Which created this world. It's not only a privilege. And an extreme benefit. Of our salvation. But it's altogether necessary. To live a powerful. Victorious life. Especially. As the time grows near. For him his return. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that lying devil never changes. He's never created anything and he never will. He only, the power he has is what you give him. Because you're a child of God. And you have authority and dominion. The name of the game with the devil is to get us wrapped up and preoccupied with anything other than Jesus. We were talking about earlier. Don't let this be you. I choose not to let that be me. And it's a, it's a, it's a conscious choice. Amen? Amen? Say this with me. I will keep my eyes upon Jesus. I know he will never leave me. Never forsake me. In and through him. I can do all things. I am loved, blessed, anointed, healthy, prosperous, child of God. Amen. Amen. Turn to Mark chapter 11. This is a foundational passage of scripture, a chapter of the Bible. We minister it, get it ministered to us all the time. Uh, you hear it from me. I heard it all through Bible college. Andrew ministers it. Smith Wigglesworth ministered it a hundred years ago. Kenneth Hagin ministered it. And he said he was going to keep on preaching it until we got it. Amen. And that's how it should be. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing. Not by having heard. Hello. Yeah. This word should be a part of our daily bread. Amen. Amen. Redundancy, Peter said, is good in God. Repetition. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Let this seed go in. Take root. Bear fruit. Amen. So, I'm going to start. There's a place here where 
I'll start at the beginning of the chapter 11. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, talking about Jesus and the disciples, to, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples. Uh, excuse me. It's not where I meant to start. Go to the 12th verse. They did all that. And then <laughs> on the following day, pardon me, the 12th verse of chapter 11 in the Gospel of Mark. The following day when they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry and seeing uh, in the distance a fig tree in leaf. So he saw a fig tree had leaves on it. He went to see if he could find anything on it. Looking for some figs. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. Now let me just say this. There's a lot of speculation. I got a fig tree from May's uh, family, Manny, on my back porch. It's got leaves on it, no figs. But this particular time period, this particular place, this particular fig tree in Jerusalem, it has figs even before leaves. And in the very least, they come at the same time. Understand that. So he saw it in leaf and he expected, he created the thing. He expected to find some fruit on it. Amen. Amen. When he didn't, here's what he did. He found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. So if it wasn't the season for figs, don't let that throw you. It means it wasn't the season for leaves either. It was a hypocrite. And it had leaves and it was supposed to have fruit. And it was so it was proclaiming something it did not have or wasn't offering. And he said to it, he spoke to the tree. You can talk to stuff. <laughs> Anything that has a name must bow the knee to the name of Jesus. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were sold, who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables. He did this more than once. Money, and he turned over the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, it is not written... My house should be called a house of prayer for all the nation. But you've made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it. And they were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared him. Because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. And as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away at its roots. Okay, so this account in Mark says he cursed it. The next morning they came by and saw it was withered away its roots. Another gospel says it died immediately. Are they conflicting? No. When he spoke to it, it died. At its roots. Mm -hmm. I can cut a branch off a tree. That thing is dead. Basically. There's no more life support to it. But it may stay green for a little while before it withers. But it's... <laughs> It's history. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So they're not conflicting. 
When he spoke to it, it died at the root. And when they passed back by in the morning, they saw the withered, it was withered. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus said to him, have faith in God. In other words, why are you surprised? <laughs> Didn't I tell it to die? <laughs> Truly, I say to you, now, he's saying, you saw that, that's power, but that's a little thing. That should not even surprise you. That is a normal thing for me. And now he's fixing to tell him, same goes for you because you're my believer. And he goes, and I'm telling you today, same goes for you. That's why I quote Matthew 11, 24, all the time. Mark 11, 24, and 23 and 24. So in the 23rd, 3rd verse, he says, truly, I say to you, whoever, raise your hand, are you, you a, whoever, whoever says, 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 says. To this mountain. And I submit to you that this is any mountain that you face. Any little molehill that is no big deal to God. But it seems like a mountain, an immovable, terrible problem and hindrance and situation or circumstance in your life. This is your mountain. And he says, whoever says you have a part to play to this mountain. Be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. But believes that what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. This is the way the kingdom of God works. It's a kingdom of opposites. And it's really hard to switch that from what we've learned our whole lives. When I see it, I believe it. That's the way of the world. It's not the way of the kingdom of God. And if you stay on that and you stand on that and say, man, I'm just being real. When I see it, I believe it. You, you may die never having seen it. The Lord still loves you. But you will not learn to participate in the program and the, that he has the spiritual law that he has in place for your benefit. But if you'll just believe this, though, and start to work it like he hopes you will, you'll benefit. It's a promise from God. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have it, received it, and you will, it will be yours. And then I always throw in the 25th verse because he did, without missing a beat, the next, he said, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. I think those three verses should always go together because Jesus thought it was important enough to make mention, listen, I want you to believe and I want you to receive all that I have for you. Then he made sure he threw in at the end. Make sure your heart is pure and free of bitterness and unforgiveness. That just hinders your prayers. And I don't want that. That opens another door for the enemy. 
So don't let that get in the way of all the beautiful things that I have for you. Cast those things on me. I'll carry that load. Don't you worry about it. Doesn't mean you're saying it's okay what people have done, what people have said, how they've hurt you. I know that. But just trust me with it. Amen. All this, because we talk about the promises of God, and we talk, we we get right into the heart of it, just like that right there. That's a, and I mean, if you really look at that, and you say, man, okay, that sounds easy, and that's good, but the day-to-day, hour-by-hour, daily practice of it is another thing altogether when you're alone. But you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says you have to renew your mind. That's our reasonable form of worship, the Bible says, is to renew our mind and to get into agreement with God, to get rid of all the, the garbage that's been input that's wrong thinking, that's in agreement with the world, has been taught by the world. It comes from the 6 o'clock or 10 o'clock blues. They still have TV. It's on its way out real fast, isn't it? They don't really have TV that much anymore. Anyway, mostly apps and things like that. Isn't it? But anyway, you know what I'm saying. You're not going to get this from media because they're in league with the devil. You're not going to get it from your the old favorite radio station. Heck, you may not even get it from KSBJ, which I support. Hey. They're, they're talking up Jesus, but a lot of it is just not a good doctrine. I'm sorry. You need to get this in there. Amen. Praise God. You know, last week we were talking about Moses. Because there's so many beautiful examples. Everything in the old covenant is type and shadow. And you can see a lot of really, really powerful truths there. And they'll help to bring it to life for you. And of things that have been revealed and, and are real for us now that were just in type and shadow then. But when Moses threw down that rod, what you got in your hand? Because yeah, he said, I'm going to send you back to do all these, well, they're not going to listen to me. He, what if they don't believe you sent me? What, what do you have in your hand? A stick? You throw it down. He did, and it became a serpent. He ran, but then he came back. He had decided after 40 years on the backside of the desert, I, if I get another chance, <laughs> I'm going to do it God's way if it kills me. And this most probably could have because he told him, pick it up by the tail. And we know that you don't pick a, a deadly snake up by the tail or it'll bite you. But he did it anyway. And he didn't know the last part of that scripture. That it would, And then it, when he did, it became a, a rod. You know, he didn't know that then. As far as he knew, it could have been a death sentence. But he did it anyway. He was totally surrendered, yielded to God, and that's when he was ready to be used by God. You see? Not when he was strong in his own power and his own ability and his own standing and position in the world, but when he was totally surrendered to God, that's when he became powerful in God. Usable. But you know, they went, went on and a lot of wonderful things and a lot of terrible things happened in that desert. <laughs> because God was not too thrilled with them because he sent spies out right away to go spy out the promised land. And 
and 10 of the 12 came back with a negative report. And because of that, except for the two that had the positive report, Joshua and Caleb, he said all the rest of that generation was going to have to die off in the desert. He wasn't even going to let them take that stinking thinking into the promised land. So they were out there for a while. But in Exodus 33, Moses, Moses says, God, if, if your presence will not go with me, don't even, don't even bring us out there. In other words, if you don't go with me, God, I'm not going. <laughs> and uh, I like that. That's, that's sort of my position. But see, that's not a new covenant prayer, is it? Moses had a right to say that. You know why? Because just a few, that was uh, Exodus 33, the 14th through 16th verse. But, but just a, a few verses before that, the Lord had said, I'm not going with you. I'll send angels ahead of you and they'll protect you and all that. He goes, I can't, I'm not going with you, not even for a minute, because I'll probably kill all of them. That's exactly what he said. I paraphrase, but go ahead and look it up. And so then, so then he said, he said, then, then he said, I, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And then Moses says to him, well, if you don't, uh, then I don't, don't even send me. Well, well, God just said he would, but, but the reason Moses said, because just a minute ago, God said he wasn't. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There was a lot of things like that. Like at Mount Sinai, when God says, God says, your people have sinned. And, God, and, and Moses says, those are your people. <laughs> Nobody wanted to claim it. <laughs> but see, God, God, God you, know, he, you know, he repented of even creating man. You know, he started over with just eight on a boat. Amen. But see, all those fears of all that sort of thing. I mean, that's what the rainbow's in the sky for. He's never going to do that again. That's a promise from God. Huh? Dude, we don't have to say, if you don't go with me, I, I'm not going. If you're not if you're going with me, don't, don't send me. Why? That's not a new covenant prayer, is it? We have a new covenant, a better covenant with better promises. So, to seek God's will, because just anything you do doesn't mean that he's in it or with you behind you on it. Because it, we're supposed to seek him and be led by him, not go ahead of him and ask him to follow us. Okay, so that's fair. But seek God's will. If you seek me, you will find me. There's a promise when you seek me with your whole heart. So, seek God's will, then go and know that he's with you. Hebrews 13, the last half of the fifth verse. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the better covenant with better promises. Now we can count on that. He said it, that settles it. If he ever lied, this whole thing would come unraveled. I will never leave you, never forsake you. And the sixth verse says, so we can confidently, boldly say, there's that word again. We say, yes. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Man, it's just, you gotta meditate on these scriptures. Word by word, phrase by phrase, and go, wow. 
That right there, you could, I will never leave you, never forsake you. So I can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That is bold. And it's a promise from God. If you believe it. I tell you like this. To fear God is to fear nothing else. And the kind of fear that we're supposed to have for God is not a fear of judgment. A punishment. Jesus bore all that for us. It's a reverent awe, respect for an almighty God who cares about every detail of your life. Loves you. In spite of some of those details. <laughs> this message is like part two of, a, of surrender and be powerful. Talking about surrendering all to God and then being usable and thus being more powerful with God's power working in and through us. But this half of the message is, is really about defeating evil. We need to know and understand what's available to us to do that in this evil age in which we live. Because people are not basically good, like people say in the world. The Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked and evil. That's the natural state of man when he's born. We all have that spirit of Satan passed down all the way from the Garden of Eden. Yeah, we sinned, but it was really the devil made us do it. <laughs> Until we got born again. Now, nothing compelling us to sin. We are free of that. But here's the problem. Some people have more confidence in the devil than they do in God. What I mean is in what the devil will do and can do than what God will do and can do and has done. And it shouldn't be like that for believers. I know of a, a preacher who one time, him, he pastored a church, him and an, an evangelist who was visiting minister there for a time. Evangelists used to go. They used to have, they used to have where they'd meet night after night for a week or two weeks or three weeks, however long it, it went on, you know. Anyway, an evangelist was visiting. He was ministering in the church and he had a, a healing ministry. He had a gift of healing that he walked in and, uh, and there was a, an affluent man in the church who uh, uh, he and his wife, they, they lived in a mansion and this man had a heart attack and he was, he was nearly dead. The, they called the, the pastor and he and the evangelist went straight over and the ambulance was there but, and they just said, just don't move him, he, he'll die before we could even get him to the hospital. The doctor was there and he did the same thing. Well, they got there, the evangelist walked up and he went over with the pastor. They laid hands on him. He was healed instantly, got up, was as fresh as a daisy. And they visited for a little while. And the man had been in bed, so he still had his, his uh, robe on and house shoes. So he just walked him to the door. And then the wife kept going with him, you know, and where the man couldn't hear, you know, kind of get out of earshot, walk all the way. They had a long walkway up to a big house, you know, all the way out by the street where he couldn't hear, the husband couldn't hear, and she tells the pastor and the evangelist said, now will you keep praying, praying for him? You know, keep, keep praying for him. And the evangelist said, why? He's healed. 
She said, well, but the devil, he's going he's gonna to come back and he's going he's gonna to try it again and he'll get down again and just, just keep praying for him. And he said, ma'am, you're the problem. He said, you got more faith in the devil than you do in God. You need to stop that. You need to repent. Your husband's healed. And don't be speaking that over him no more. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So we need to quit saying what the devil says. We need to quit talking up the things that we see that the devil is doing. See, there's all kind of natural manifestations of things that are being caused in the spiritual demonic realm. You see what I'm saying? If it's negative, it's, if it's death in any various form, if it's sickness, if it's strife, if it's anything, if it's poverty, it's from the devil and his army, which are very active and do have a power. They just don't have authority over you. You have authority over them. But most Christians don't know it. And that's a problem. And it's going to get to be a bigger problem if it doesn't change. Huh? Because things aren't going to get better. There may be seasons and there's going to be revivals and there's going to be wonderful things that happen because it's, the church always prospers in times of greatest adversity. And we're going to see that. But remember, for that great prosperity, every time we've had a great awakening, it's been on the heels of terrible tragedy in this nation. War of Independence, the Civil War. If you think those things weren't terrible, trust me, they were. But we just need to quit, quit talking up the devil. And I know that people don't do that on purpose. But when we start off, you know, there's certain people you answer the phone and, and when, if, if it's them, you know, as soon as you say, hey, how you doing? They're going to just whoa, dump every negative thing on you. Even if it has a positive ending sometime. Take them 20 minutes to get there. It's like, why didn't you start with that? What's wrong with you? Yeah, every, every one of you knows a person like that. Or so. It shouldn't be that way. We need to quit quoting a liar. John 8, 44. Let, Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of the day. Not, not, not godless Gentiles. He was talking to those in the, in the flowing robes who dignified and they've been to cemetery all their life. <laughs> And they were the religious leaders and teachers of the day. And he looked them right in the eye. And Jesus was man. He said, I only do and say what I see and hear my father. And man, he, he, he ain't kidding. He looked at him and he said, yeah, you're, you're of your father, the devil. <laughs> you imagine being at the, uh, what's that thing over there in Italy? That big Vatican. Vatican. Sorry, it slipped my mind for me. I wasn't joking. <laughs> you imagine being at the Vatican and looking at all around them and saying, you're of your father, the devil. You might not be wrong on most of them. 
I don't know. I know one thing. God made marriage not to be excluded. He said in the end times there'll be seducing spirits and, and, and teachers and liars and doctrines of demons forbidding to marry and forbidding to eat certain foods not forbidding to marry hmm. and then what does that draw to its attention ain't Adam and Eve and God didn't make it to be Adam and Steve <laughs> He said, you're your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's why I say quit quoting a liar, because Jesus said he is a liar and he's the author of lies. He's the father of lies. So we need to quit thinking evil. Quit confessing evil. Or speaking it. Quit judging people. Quit believing others when they speak evil about you. Even if you did behave in an evil way at one time. If you repented and given your life to Christ. You're a new creation. And Jesus either hung there on that cross for your sins or he didn't hang there for anybody's sin. There ain't a believer in this world that's any better than you or any more forgiven or more loved than you. Or especially me. And I want that to be the way you see it. Because he does have your picture in his wallet. Amen. We got to quit having more faith in the devil than we do in God. That devil, he's just a liar. He's a deceiver. All his names. That's what they, the, the liar, deceiver, slanderer, the dragon, the destroyer, the accuser of the brethren. Instead, we need to quote what God says. All the time. That's why I say you need to study the word. It's not so God will love you more, but it's so you'll know more how to, how to fight the spiritual war that we're in. We need to confess the word. Confess the promises of God. In the midst of hardship and tragedy and adversity. He said, be always give thanks in all things. Not every time something's good, don't forget to be thankful. That was the case with those 10 lepers that were healed. Only one came back to say thanks. He said, where's the other nine? So that's just, that should be normal. I mean, even anybody born in Texas or been here long enough to be adopted like Dan, they have enough manners to to thank the Lord if he healed them of leprosy. 
But Lord says, hey, be thankful if you have, even when you have leprosy, which none of you ever will have any sickness or disease or poverty in your life because you're blessed. Amen. In all things, give thanks. Help others when they need to be reminded of this. I'm a, I'm a big believer in a hand up, not a hand out. Huh? Remind them about what Jesus has said about them. If they sin, pray for them. And pray they'll do for the same for you. Remember that piano playing preacher who got caught up in sexual sin? So Jimmy Swagger. God didn't change his mind about him. Everybody was so pleased to come out against him and the word does say if you're a believer don't have anything to do with other believers who who are sexually immoral and then he goes on to say I'm not talking about sexually immoral in the world you'd have to move out of the world <laughs> but we shouldn't just throw people away you know they went to Billy Graham with all that trash talk about Jimmy Swaggart like a, you know dirty laundry Eagles old song you know and he said I'm not going to rejoice in that he said, if it happened to him, it could happen to me. You need to pray for him. And he was right. That's right. <clears throat> so just say what God said. Learn to just, you're not in denial. You could say, hey, this, this, this illness trying to, trying to come against me. I'm, I'm under attack right now. I'm not a Christian scientist, which isn't Christian or science, denying that that severed arm is even yours. That's just stupid. You can say something's coming against you. Yeah, I got, you know, I got this, got this, got that. You know, but too many people let their, didn't get their butt out of the way because they'll say what God says and then say but, and they'll tell you all the negative stuff. It needs to be the opposite. You can mention everything you're going through. You don't have to be in denial and never share with anyone. I mean, that's just not how we're created. But don't, don't stop short of saying, but here's the promise of God regarding that. And I'm going to speak it and I'm going to stand on it. Can I get you to agree with me on this? Let's pray. Let's get rid of this thing right now. Huh? I mean, that's, that, that should be natural. That should be normal. You know? I never got over Christians who, who have children and then say, well, we just gonna push it out on them. We let them get old enough to decide for themselves. Doggone it. You, 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 I, I didn't know this stuff when I was young. I did everything wrong. So I'm not judging people. But I'm saying if you know the Lord and you've read the word, your only job with children really is to bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It should be normal to see the husband and wife loving each other. That's how they're going to see it. And, and, and praying over about everything. Praying with the children. The children are the first to receive. They have great faith. My six-year-old granddaughter could walk in here and heal anybody who was sick. I guarantee it. She, and I, 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 you could ask her and she'd say, okay. She, you know, my, my biggest concern is that someone will come along and try to steal that from her. You see? It needs to be strengthened, you know? Encouraged, and it is. 
Praise God. You say, well, if I just go around just saying what God says and I got all these problems and everything, what's that going to do? Except make me look like an idiot, like make me look like I'm crazy. Well, crazy about Jesus is a good thing for me. One day you're going to stand face to face with him. And if the only negative thing, well, Lord, they said I was crazy about you and I wouldn't quit talking about you and I got on their nerves. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. <laughs> and that's for eternity, not just this flicker of a life. Hey. John 6, verses 28 and 29. Then they asked him, talking about Jesus. They said, what, what must we do to do the works God requires? And this is basically, we laugh, you know, at some things. We're basically just glad it wasn't us because we would have asked the same dumb questions. What must we do to do the works God requires. Believe, remember, they were under the law. So performance-based acceptance from God was not wrong, really, at the time. Jesus was coming to complete that, though, and to bring a new covenant into place, which we are in now. So to ask what you must do to do the works God requires is just like running into somebody on the street who's looking around at all the Christians just to make sure that they're their behavior is as good or better than theirs, and then they think they're okay because God must be judging it on a curve, and as long as their good deeds outweigh their bad and they're better than the most of the guys around them, then they'll be okay. Well, that's a lie. See, and they'll go to hell believing that. Problem is, a lot of Christians believe the same thing. They're still trying to live under the old covenant, and they'll deny it if you ask them, but they really believe it's all performance-based. Nothing could be further than the truth. Jesus answered their question. He said, the work of God is this. In other words, in other, to, to, to earn salvation, <laughs> you can't. He said, this is the work of God, to believe in the one he sent. That's it. What's that mean to you? This is important. You know, Jesus answered the question, what's required of us? And, and he said, just believe in me. Well, what does that mean? If you, I need to do a whole series on believe. What, what does that really mean? But if you truly believe, you, you, you'll believe not only that he is who he says he is, the devil believes that and trembles, but that he has, can, and will do everything he says he will do. If somebody says, if somebody says to you, listen, man, I need you to believe in me. Are they saying they need you to believe they exist? No, they're, they're saying, I need you to believe that I, I'm, I, I can and, and will take care of this thing that I'm telling you I can do or will do, right? Same thing. 
Same thing. See what I'm saying? They want you to believe that they're going to accomplish what they're saying. Well, if we want our lives to change immediately for the better, and probably all of us do, I mean, it always, Randy said something he needs to repent of when I saw him this morning. He says, I, if I, I believe if I was any better, I couldn't stand it. Now, that's telling me he's doing great, and I'm really happy about that because I love Randy. But without realizing it, he just told God, hold off. I got plenty right now, which tells me, and I'm just using you for an example. You, it's not how you think, but God, we've watched them words because it's not about us. We say, God, I'm doing so good and I'm so blessed, but Make me more and more usable. Make me so I can handle whatever you give me. But as long as I can handle it, keep pouring it on. Because I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm so blessed. I'm ready to go out and bless everybody else. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> it has a lot to do with, with how you believe. Fun fact about Jesus. Jesus defeated Satan and gave us authority over evil. This should not be news to the church, but it is. Not here, not to y'all. You listen to, to me. Nothing special about me. What makes the message special is I knew there was nothing special about me. And I said, Lord, what in the world do you want with me? There's nothing special about me. So if you do use me, don't ever let it be me. Just you speaking through me. Amen. If every preacher would do that. The bride of Christ would be more radiant. And don't you think he's not aware of that? We're going to see some awesome things in the coming days and years. You were born for such a time as this. How did he defeat Satan and give us authority over evil. He took away everything that the devil used against us. He bore our guilt. Our guilt. Some people can't get past this. They walk under cloud of guilt from the past and then there are people in your lives where if you don't worry with them and, and feel guilt and, and sadness with them then something's wrong with you 
When things go south, you don't have to go with them. You can choose to praise God and be filled with joy. Now, I don't mean walking right in somebody's face who's suffering and having suffering from loss and all that. We have compassion and we have love. But joy is an abiding fruit of the Spirit within us. You see what I'm saying? Just like when someone passes or something. I mean, yeah, we suffer loss and it hurts. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's just part of life. But I'm just saying, Paul says, we're not like the rest of the world who grieves like they don't have, because they don't have no hope. There's no, we have everything to look forward to. Amen. Colossians. He, well, so he bore our guilt on his body on the cross and he took away the law that the enemy used to accuse us with. Because think about the Ten Commandments, everything that the do's and don'ts of that is what the enemy is always trying to accuse you of. Anything that you become aware of, that's what happened with that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God never wanted us to know that evil part. But now we do. And the, and the devil knows we're doing it. Says, you, 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 you bad. You bad. Look. Look at that. And see, this is where you're supposed to say, yeah. Remember this? Remember him? He nailed that law to the cross. Everything you had to accuse me with, he set aside. He completed it. He fulfilled it. You have nothing else to accuse me with, devil. You liar. Get out of here. In Jesus' name. Colossians 2.14 says, By canceling, Jesus, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That's talking about the law. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Romans 4, 5. But to the one who does not work, this isn't talking about having a job. This is talking about work to earn your salvation. The one who does not believe in performance-based acceptance from God, the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies, just as if I never sinned, justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. That's someone who is in right standing with God. And that's you. Amen. Made righteous by faith, apart from works. So it's not earned, but it's credited to you by faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful gift? Colossians 1. 13 and 14 says Jesus has delivered us. Look at this. Or translated us. Or I say we got a new spiritual zip code. Address. He has delivered us from the domain or the dominion of darkness. That's the, that's the authority and dominion and power of the, the devil and his army. That's in the, the second heaven, if you will. Oh, I shouldn't have mentioned that because I don't have time to teach on it. And translated us or transferred us. He moved us. Jesus came to help us move. What a friend. 
transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Okay, so the father came and helped us move. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we are in, been moved from one kingdom to the other. We don't have the same identity. We don't have the spirit, same spiritual home or destination. Oh, I wish I had time just to go and read Colossians with you for a while. See if we had Sunday night service. We could do that. We will soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody in agreement? Yeah. But... This all frees us up. All the things that Jesus bore for us and did away with, everything that hindered us, everything the devil used against us, Jesus dealt with it. And what does that do? <coughs> Excuse me. It frees us up from bondage to sin, for starters. Because believe it or not, no matter how good or bad you were or you considered yourself or comparably speaking, those who compare themselves amongst themselves are not wise you want to compare yourself to someone to look up. But we were all sinners. We all had an evil concupiscence, the Bible calls it, the King James. That's a, an overwhelming desire to do evil. We wanted to do good, but doggone it. <laughs> we just kept doing bad. Now, you might want to do bad sometimes, but... Uh, <clears throat> If it's lost its flavor, you go back to the good. You might want to hold on forgiveness like you used to. Eh, I give it to you, Lord. I got nothing but love for you, brother. Hope God helps you like he did me. <coughs> Freeze us up from bondage to sin. Freeze us up from bondage to guilt and shame. And condemnation. Not so we can keep on sinning though. But so we won't be burdened and weighed down by the devil. So now we're able to live for God. That was the point. To come into the family of God. And to love him for all the wonderful things he has done for us and for because he is love and he is light and he is everything good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of light, in whom there is no darkness, a shadow of turning. First Peter 2, 15 through 17 says, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorance of foolish men. And he says in verse 16, Live in freedom, yes. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. In other words, don't, don't use the grace of God as a license to sin. Titus 2, 11, 12 said, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to live upright, godly lives in this present evil age. So, live as servants of God. Treat everyone with high regard. Love the brotherhood of believers and fear God. Love, love, love. See, there's that law of love. If we, if we love, we're never going to do any harm to a brother. Galatians 1.4 Jesus 
gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. Now here's where we're really, really getting somewhere. We, we live in an evil, evil time. Things are getting bad and they're going to get worse. The Bible says so. He lists, I think there's 10 scriptures there in Matthew where Jesus talks about the end times and all the things that must happen and then he'll return. Well, it's none of those evil things, although they must happen. Earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and all these, and the apostasy, the falling away from the church, all these terrible things must happen. But none of that provokes God to send his son back for us. What does? Us. The preaching of this word must be preached in all to all nations, and then he'll return. Everybody got to get a chance to accept or reject. But he has he died to deliver us from this present evil age. So we're in this present evil age. But we're not subjected to the evil of this age. That's the point I want to make. That's the point God wants you to get in your heart and believe. Because until you believe, you can't receive. That's right. Anyone heard those Oliver Anthony songs recently? Yeah. This young man, he's a Christian. But his theology is off. He hasn't been... He, I can, I'd like to speak to his pastor, you know, or be his pastor for a while because, wow, what a, what a dent he could make. I could add a few more verses to every song and turn it around. But God, but God, but God. You see? Because I understand everything he's talking about. And that's the heart of the world. I mean, people are getting sick and tired of this nonsense. And they know, but they just don't have the answers. So God says, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. So why would a Christian, why would a believer like that who opens the word and, and speaks from the word before he does his songs on stage and, he, and he's talking about a song, I just, his latest greatest hit after the rich man north of Richmond. Well, see, they don't control my destiny. The politicians in Washington don't control my destiny. <laughs> And they certainly shouldn't control any other believers. Those rich men north of Richmond, they, they're not really responsible for his low income. They're not really responsible for him smoking a bowl or drinking muscadine wine. They didn't drive him to mental health breakdown. If they did, that's his fault. And it's not really his fault but he's perishing for a lack of knowledge or knowing God. And his newest song, which is, I just want to go home. He's talking about heaven. And it's, I just want to go home because it's so bad here. Well, doggone it, folks. That's why we're ministering this message today. Not because of him or those songs, but because there are too many that believe that way. What you're saying is I want to just go home because the devil has defeated me here. No. Jesus died so you would be powerful and have authority over the devil. 
not surrendered to him and brag about all the things he's done. You see those songs, they're really bragging on the devil to the uttermost. And then saying how ticked off you are about it, but you're still bragging on the devil and he's laughing the whole time. Rich men nor the rich men. They don't control my destiny. I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness and translated to the kingdom of light. I'm a child of God. I'm in God's economy. God is my doctor. Back to the fun fact about Jesus. Jesus defeated Satan and gave us authority over evil. Luke 10, 19, Jesus speaking. He says, behold, I have... I, not I'm going to. Not I'll think about it. Not it's going to be on a case-by-case -case basis. You can pray, but you never know what I'm going to do. That sounds funny, but that's being taught in the majority of churches in this nation this very morning. We can pray, but you never know. It's all the sovereignty of God. It's already all been mapped out. Anything that happens, that's what God intended And it's a lie. Jesus said, behold, I have given you, you, you. Who are we talking about? Believers. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And he's not talking about snakes and bugs. He's talking about Satan and all of his demons mm -hmm. and over all the power of the enemy that's the devil and nothing shall by any means hurt you 2nd Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5 for the weapons of our warfare now are not of the flesh not carnal but they have divine power to destroy strongholds <laughs> military terminology we destroy, and he tell what that is. What is a stronghold? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every and we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Even if I find myself in some stinking thinking, I catch myself. Say, wait a minute, that doesn't line up with what the Lord said here in his word. Let me repent. Let me get back in line with you, Lord. That's it. I dropped the ball right there, Lord. I know, son. Let's go. That's all he wants to hear about it. He's not a God of the past. If you haven't found that out. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Are any of those things about your past? We're going to go back in time. We're going to get those. We're going to get those folks that did that to you. We're going to go make it right. Nothing in the rearview mirror. Only the bright, clean windshield. Man, I've been having trouble keeping my windshield.
I got I got some more stuff here. Really powerful. But I'm going to stop right here. Because the Lord is saying, y'all have received some good stuff. And you need to meditate on it. You know, you can feed a fish so much that they'll just explode. <laughs> they'll just keep eating. But your minds can only absorb as much as your seats can endure. So we'll stop right here. Y'all like this stuff? Yeah. It's about you. Yeah. It's for you. It's from God. Please know that. God loves you so much. And man, does he ever need some soldiers to fight the battles that we have ahead of us. You have to really understand that I'm not against any church or any minister or any Christian anywhere. I'm against bad theology, the traditions and doctrines of men, Jesus called them, that it made the word of God of no effect, that it made the children of God without power. <clears throat> and they're teaching people that divine healing is of the devil and that sickness is from God. And I can't stand that. That hurts people. It drives them from God. And we need to know these truths that we're talking about here. We need to embrace them, meditate on them, study them, talk to God about them. Just start in the simplest form, in your own words, in your own way, in agreement with God, and, and start working these things out. Work out the salvation that is already within you. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for these wonderful truths. Thank you for the power that you have given to us by authority to use your name. Thank you for showing us that all the things that you did pay for on the cross so that we know when the enemy is lying and when people are misled and misinformed and try to tell us that things that are of the devil are of you and, and vice versa. When the devil tries to take credit for things that are of yours. We want to know the truth. All we care about is the real Jesus. We really want the real you, Father. And we want to know our real identity and what we have and who we are in you. We want to be able to use that authority we know that you will never leave us or forsake us. We know that you are here with us, Holy Spirit, and that you are the custodian of all the gifts of the Spirit, all the fruit of the Spirit, everything of God that belongs to us. We are heirs, co-heirs with Jesus Christ of everything that the Father has. Help us to walk in this new identity and know it with confidence, not arrogance, but confidence in who we are beloved children of God. Thank you, Father, that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love you all.